Hello and welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Our marathon Oscar coverage starts now at 12.30pm <laughs> and we'll continue straight through the night 24 hours of coverage. It seems so long away. It's still so long away, but yet it is today mm. Hollywood's biggest night. I can guarantee as soon as that starts, I'm going to feel incredibly tired. And that's why I've told you to nap while I'm at work later. <laughs> I might need to. Have a little... I might nap during the ceremony, during the advert breaks, and you just have to keep waking me up. God knows there's enough of them. We'll just nap again if they bring in a busload of tourists. That was the the worst of the things. Let's take 15 minutes. You know, getting La La Land and Moonlight mixed up, yeah, bad, but Bush wasn't in a load of tourists. That was the Oscars' greatest mistake. Looking forward to it? Yeah, why not? Sure. No, we're not going to go into too much now because we're going to do a whole fucking thing on it later. Yeah, we'll we'll be releasing uh, an actual Oscars podcast on Wednesday. Yeah. Um. So we're going to be watching live uh, and tweeting oh. along. Our predictions going to be on there as well. Uh. Yeah. Why not? Rather than doing now. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have the information well, up. Although we're Daniel light on Day-Lewis news. Daniel Day-Lewis is going to win. I don't think he will. I, I genuinely believe he's going to win. I think he ah. Uh, I believe that he is... No, well, I believe okay, the fine. children of the future. I believe the children of the future. Uh, no, what I believe is... Um, every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. Don't know that one. Robson and Jerome, innit? Well, it's, it's obviously a cover or something, because Robson and Jerome... So, some fucking Robson and Jerome album track, no doubt. I think it's called I Believe. Is it I Believe the Children of Our Future? No. Okay. I can fly. Oh, Kelly, that was. Alright, hush, hush your mush now, that's enough. Uh, so hang on, best actor, what you think... Daniel Day-Lewis will win it. You think he will? Oh, by the way, this is news and reviews where we talk news and reviews. Yeah, he's going to win it. Yeah? Yeah. Not Gary Oldman, who's no. odds on favourite to win it. No. I'm still saying Daniel Day-Lewis. Alright, okay, who do you want to win it? You can't see, but I just did a victory sip. Who do you want to win it? Who do I want to win it is a different question. Because you haven't seen Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread, no. so you have no authority on that. <laughs> and also, you don't know, like, you're going, he'll win it. Yeah, You've not I, seen it. Yeah, but I genuinely think he'll win it because of the circumstances. I think, yeah, but I think Gary Oldman will win it because of the circumstances. Because he should have won it before and he hasn't won it yet. And they love giving oh, awards to fat performances, which is exactly why... Uh, Norbit won Eddie Murphy the Best Actor Oscar. <laughs> and also Best Actress. Daniel Cuyula. Uh, I'd like him to win. He won't. I, no, absolutely he won't. Who's the other one? Timothy Chalamet. Okay. No, I don't think he'll win. It's between Alderman and Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, who's the fifth? It's um, Denzel Washington. For Denzel the... Washington for Roma J. Israel Esquire, which we haven't bothered seeing. No. To be fair, it was out for about three days here and then just dropped out. so many others I need to catch up on. Yeah, you still haven't caught up on many of the ones that were released quite widely across the country. One of them literally came out yesterday. Yes. Wait. Ladybird. Oh, uh, that came, came out, out. La- Well, it, it came into our local cine world yesterday. yesterday. But has been out... Come across on, the country Gerwig. for the last week. This is why you don't deserve to win Best Director. Well, because Cineworld don't bother putting it in because yes. they want more screenings for Black Panther for a week. <laughs> yes, for that exact reason. Okay, I think this is somehow Chadwick Boseman's fault then. <laughs> Ryan Coogler deserves Best Director this year. I mean, people are now starting to talk about... In fact, let's move on to news. People are now starting to talk about Ryan Coogler's chances of winning Best Director next year at the I'm Oscars. I'm not so sure. And... Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture? No. I don't think so. I think 
it's got a very strong case at the moment for best costume. Yeah, I think. Like, without a doubt, I think it's some of the best costume I've seen on screen in a long time. Um, as far as best picture and stuff goes, it's not what the Academy goes for. Well, also, people will remember the shitty rhinos. Well, also, the rhinos look terrible. Also, you can't give CGI that bad an Oscar. <laughs> it's the wrong time of year. Yeah, well, Get Out got nominated. It came out earlier than... Uh, well, I no, suppose, in fact, yeah. it came out two weeks ago now. Two, two a weeks year, ago? A year and two weeks ago. It's uh, the of them. So, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe it will. I just can't see it happening. Though. No, nor can I. Like, what's been the best comic book movie so far? Logan. You're talking Logan or Dark Knight, yeah? yeah? Dark Knight wasn't nominated for Best Picture. No. They don't, they don't get into the prestige categories often. No. And especially not Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, and I think and with, also, with the best well in the world Black Panther isn't as good as Logan or as good as uh, Dark Knight and all best well in the world um, Infinity War's coming out and apparently is just a two hour hard hitting drama mm, I, I know that it's all not. seen through the eyes of a Sokovian girl no I know that it's who lived not. who lived through the <laughs> tyrannical reign no, of it's Ultron fine. it's fine don't don't bother don't, and, uh, don't, bother slowly, sell, don't bother trying to sell me a film that I know I'm going to have to see because slowly, of the podcast anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Slowly getting her life back together in her new pastry shop she owns in New York. Hang on, is it also Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? <laughs> and then all of a That's sudden... That's the end of that film. <laughs> all of a sudden... It starts raining outside and she remembers that, <laughs> some, uh, that there was wizards there? Yeah. All of a sudden... Um, Thanos appears. Right. And she then has... Uh, then she has to go inside her flashbacks. suitcase and f- capture all those beasts yeah, again. she has flashbacks of what happened in Sokovia. Right. And then it's all about her new this is boyfriend the mo- trying to help her get over her PTSD. Right. That's what Infinity War's about. Okay. You're there like, oh, it's got 64 characters. Only because it shows 64, like, as her mind puts them together. Right, Okay. It's not going to be all explosions. It's all hard hitting. In other news, uh, can we just talk about the fact that <laughs> yesterday I saw the same trailer twice and it made me confused both times. Which one? I, I really don't like the look of Unsane. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say because I know you saw Infinity War no, the, as well. Uh, no, I didn't see an Infinity Did War trailer not? yesterday. No, they don't show it in front of fifteen. Oh no. Anthony McCormack watched Black Panther the other day. He saw Infinity War. Shout out to Anthony McCormack. You're still a piece of trash. <laughs> He'll appreciate that. Anyway, uh, hope you enjoyed Black Panther, I guess. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Unsane, Steven Soderbergh's new film. The trailer came out about a month ago. I saw yeah. it in, tra- in the cinema for the first time yesterday. It looks terrible. It doesn't look good. It, uh, it looks like, I think I know what they're trying to do with it. And I think it's terribly misjudged. <laughs> but, hey, who knows? Um, anyway, let's move on with actual news. Because that's not oh, news, that's just me <laughs> that's talking about a trailer that I didn't like. Yeah, it looks weird, I don't like it. Okay, well, let's talk about the fact that Disney have brought Avengers 3, uh, Infinity War, forward one week. So this it's now... be the perfect time to talk about my plot of Infinity War. So it's now in line with the UK release yes. date. Uh, so it's now releasing on the 27th of April rather than the 4th of May, which is Star Wars Day traditionally, but of course Han Solo is not released until the end of May. Because it can't even do Star Wars, right? Well, yeah. Twenty uh, fifth uh, of May, it comes out solo. I can see why they've done it. Yeah, like it makes sense because it's the first time they've done that, isn't it? Normally, yes. it's a staggered release. 
but I think they're trying to avoid spoilers getting out there to people who haven't seen it. I don't also think... also allow everyone to get involved in that conversation straight away. I think that's their, that may be a secondary concern for them. I think the primary concern is Deadpool's release date. Because Deadpool's release date is two weeks after the 4th of May. Okay. I think they want a third week of dominance. Because Deadpool doesn't necessarily attract all of the same people because of the age rating, mm-hmm. but it's going to attract... Although in America, of course, it does, because an R-rated film means that you just have to be accompanied by an adult if yeah. you're under 17. So four-year-olds can go and see Deadpool in America. They shouldn't, but they can. So um, I think it's a case of they want to have three weeks at the top of the charts rather than just two because they know that they're going to lose legs on this film as soon as Deadpool hits. That makes a lot of sense. Because that's going to destroy the box office. It makes a lot of sense, although I prefer my doing it full of fans. I don't think they care about the fans. I think... What? I genuinely don't think they do. I think they care about the money. Would the Eye of Agamotto appeared in Odin's safe... If he didn't care about the fan service, but that would have given fan service, fine. But it's do all they for care? The fans. No, but do Disney care about the fans? No. Yes. No, they don't. They care it's about your money. It's why they put Guardians of the Galaxy in place of Tower of Terror. Like that'll get the fans through the doors. Yes, and what do fans have in their pockets? Wallets, wallets bulging with. Cam- Who carries a camera anymore? They have phones. <laughs> One of those- they have phones. <laughs> What do they have in their pockets? A camera. Or the old Polaroid ones where they're like... You have to kind of keep shaking it until you picture it. Or the old ones where they have to put the hood over their head (laughs) and then ignite some chemicals and then... (laughs) And then wait three years before you see a photograph. (laughs) What have they got in their pockets? Brass rubbing kits. So Judy, go stand next to Rocket Raccoon for three hours. Uh, so yeah, they've brought it forward a week, so it's now in line with the UK's release date of the twenty seventh of April, uh, which means that uh, the US will, for the first time, uh, not bother being so late to the party. Thanks, US, for joining us. Um, so I think I think it's because of uh, Deadpool. Um, yeah, and then obviously Solo comes a week after Deadpool. And will absolutely get obliterated by Deadpool's film. You reckon? Yeah, I think, and they've said also it's it sort of gives Solo more of a chance of succeeding because at that point it would have um, this would have been out for four weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't think Solo's going to succeed. Full stop. You know, they might so wrong. They may give it as many chances as they can. It doesn't mean that it's got any chances. <laughs> Um, so that's happened. Uh, people are causing a fuss because it's like, oh, it's only two months before it's released. So this mm-hmm. is unprecedented. Yeah, I guess maybe. But, you know, I think ultimately I know why they're doing it. Yeah. For that sweet, sweet green. It's for the fans. Um, <laughs> hey, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Because Ooh, we, we discussed last week that Mark Hamill might be appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy yes. 3. Because he tweeted at James Gunn saying, here is my info. If you're serious, like, give me a call. Hey, Bay, what up? <laughs> just, fans, just send him a message, you up. <laughs> fans have been speculating as to who he might play. Yeah. And have you heard who he might play? No. Luke Skywalker. Kill me now. People are now convinced that that's exactly what's going to happen. That you're going to kill, that you're going to get killed by me. Uh, no, that, <laughs> that Luke Skywalker is going to turn up in the next one in a small cameo role. Like you'll see him on a planet or something, 
and thus tying the uh, Star Wars and no. because Disney can literally do whatever they want with Star Wars that would, now. That would be probably the worst. What is the, what would be the best? Who would he play? Not that. I think Mussolini. He should play Mussolini. Space Mussolini. <laughs> that would be the best. I would like it if he was um, the voice of the astronaut dog. I can't remember what its name is. Cosmo. Oh yeah, the one we saw in the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. If he was the voice of that dog. Okay, maybe he will be then. Because I'm sure that dog can speak. It's Marvel, probably can. Like, I'm pretty sure, like even if, if it's a duck can talk, then I'm pretty sure a dog can. Uh, okay, so maybe that would be a better way of going with it than or, putting Luke Skywalker in it. Or there's Howard the Duck, and then there's the other duck, isn't there? There's like the other version. Kumar the, the duck. duck. <laughs> oh, it's Howard, not Howard. <laughs> Nice. It doesn't it doesn't work now? Howard. No, Howard. Like, there's no double act that has a Howard in it. I, I like where your head's at. Howard from the uh, from the Halifax, Mighty Boosh from the Halifax adverts. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. So he can voice Howard's suit. <laughs> no. No. There's a, there's another duck, and I can't remember. Like somebody's gonna hate me for this. Daffy. No. No. Okay, Matt McGowan. Please. Yeah, text. That's exactly who's gonna hate me for this. Please text in now. Like, right now. <laughs> Live. Because there's Howard the Duck, and then there was an alternative duck. Was it a lady duck? No, it was like a more extreme Howard the Duck, I think. Like, I think he had guns. Was it not just Howard the Duck with with guns? No, it wasn't. It had a name. Okay. Was he the baddie duck? No, I think he was also a good duck. Duck Dodgers. Yeah, fuck it. Jammy Dodgers. No, Duck (laughs) Dodgers was a character played by Daffy Duck in one of the um, Water Brothers cartoons. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, okay, fine. It so, doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. Doesn't genuinely, matter. that would be great if I remembered the name of whoever it was. All right, as it is, failed news segment. <laughs> That's 14 weeks in a row. No, have some um, workplaces have like, how many days without an incident? We have how many weeks where we fucked up? Yeah, well, and, how, it, and it just counts up. How many episodes since we last forgot to research properly? <laughs> it's always It's at always zero. at zero. Never, never goes above that. Don't make references you don't know the answer to, Andy. Okay, so uh, (laughs) let's talk about other films that are upcoming. Uh, So, did you know that Mark Wahlberg is starring in The Six Billion Dollar Man? I did know this a while ago, yeah. Yes, well, it was sold because it was originally on the Weinstein Company's books, and obviously they sold it off to Warner Brothers in 2017. Uh, And uh, here we are. Getting it in next year, apparently. he's. They're going to start sure. production. They're starting filming uh, in summer. And they're aiming for a summer release date next year. Uh, but, of course, it's based on the $6 million man, but that's inflation for you. <laughs> in the in the time between the 1970s and now, $6 million really doesn't buy you a hell of a lot of man. Pocket change. That buys you, what, a third of Andre Gray? Some good football reference in I was, here. I was trying to think of who last went for six million. I was like, oh, oh dear. Yeah, I think you were looking at 2007 for that. Um, yeah, so... You, uh, you could buy, like, the foot of Coutinho. Yes. Um, but, like, not his good foot. Not his good foot, yeah. Uh, so, Mark Wahlberg playing Steve Austin in that. Not Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> exactly where my head went. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, oh, my God. 
So that'll be coming out next year. But it's Mark Wahlberg returning to what he does best, really, which is... Which is Stone Cold Stunners. Yeah. yeah. Which is being shaved bald and doing Tombstone pile drivers. I think. Was that his? I don't know. No, no, no that was... Wasn't that um, that Undertaker? was The Undertaker. I don't but know. But wearing leather vests. Yes, wearing leather vests underneath. and breaking glass as his entrance. Child of the 90s. Okay. I used to love wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I'm borderline sure you still do, judging from judging from the excitement on your face when you thought that Steve Austin was going to be in a film. Did I ever tell you? I don't know if this is a story for the podcast or not, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay, well, we need the runtime. I used to have a really good mate at school. Mm. Um, don't speak to him now, so it's fine. <laughs> but I used to have a really good mate. We will be asking names at the um, end. Oh, you'll know who it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I think I already know yeah, who it is. Um, he was huge into wrestling, right? Right. And he um, used to tape all the pay-per-views. Yeah. And because my parents never wanted to buy Sky or pay-per-views, they weren't, I could never watch them, so I only could watch his on videotape. And his parents, famously communists. And uh, <laughs> I, he once lent me a videotape of Backlash. Right. Is, like, is that an event? Apparently. That's a pay-per-view, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching it, leaving it in the video. Is it just someone taking lashes on their back? <laughs> and my mum taped over it. <laughs> with oh, like no. Coronation Street or something. Oh, no. And I gave it back to him, not knowing. Hang on. Why would you tape Coronation Street? The omnibus is on on the Sunday. <laughs> Probably what she taped. Okay, fair enough. So um, I gave it back to him and then two days later he came into school fuming. <laughs> <laughs> but hang on, presumably he'd already watched Backlash. Yeah, yeah, but he he obviously had them like all, yeah. all separate out so he could watch them again and again and again. Why? Once you've seen a wrestling match, you know which way it went. Why do people watch classic boxing matches again and again? Because it's not staged. Well, some of them are, but oh, come on, like you can't you can't say that Backlash watch, would be why, interesting to rewatch. Why do you watch films over and over again? You know how it ends. Yeah, but the the journey. The journey of the wrestling match. I've seen wrestling matches. Journey to Backlash. I'm not, I'm not invested in those journeys. Monday Night Raw. Yeah, but... Yeah, I don't want to watch Monday Night Raw repeat. Like, what about that bit where um, Stone Cold got hit by a car? I don't remember and this, Vin- but I'm presuming Vin- you've Vin- not Vin- made Man it organised it all. Vince McMahon organises everything. He's in charge, right? <laughs> I know you're going to go into this, but... Sounds like you are. This one wrestling match really makes me laugh. Okay. Because I watched it again recently. Right? What? You're 28 years old. (laughs) It was on YouTube. Okay. Right. Basically, the end of that story is that kid was livid because I would take the video. But then he did lose my copy of Triple X and I've never forgiven him for it. And that's why we don't talk. Okay. Um, There's a wrestling match where it was basically, right, The Rock versus Stone Cold versus Triple H Versus Kurt Angle. Versus The Undertaker. There's too many wrestlers. Versus Rikishi. Right. Now, do you remember all those wrestlers, yeah. right? What was Rikishi doing there? He was a big star. But it was a hand in a cell. Right. And genuinely, there was one moment in this match where, for some reason, Vince McMahon tries to stop the match. And the way he stops it is he drives in a truck where the back is full of hay. Mm. Like, full, full of hay. So he could try and rip the door off the cell. He drives that truck in purely and only so Rikishi can be thrown off the top of the cell. Onto the hay. Onto the hay. Good. He's a showman. (laughs) And I'm like, why do you have a truck full of hay in your ring? Excellent showmanship. Where did you get that from? Excellent showmanship. Like, in this auditorium, why is that there? Is there a secret horse that Stone Cold owns? Okay, well, let's move on. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's alright. You you do what you want, I guess. (laughs) 
He used to fucking love it, mate. Yeah. Goldberg. He was the man. So he I hear. WCW Channel 5. We weren't rich enough to have Sky. <laughs> so we, we had paupers wrestling. You had to go on off-brand wrestling. <laughs> okay. Um, it sting. So. <laughs> go on, please. I'll just keep naming wrestlers from WCW. No, it's start. fine, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, so did you hear that the Valley Girl remake has been pulled from release? Yes, I did, and I heard because, why they believe it has. Yeah. There's no actual proof this is the reason why. There's a pretty thing. good indicator, and his name is Logan Paul. Yeah. Did we ever speak about Logan Paul? Uh, no, I don't think we did. Good. We may have mentioned him briefly, but he's not really in our, uh, in our purview. But um, basically, Logan Paul is a world-renowned cock-end, yeah. and... Uh, He's he's been up to no good. Basically, if you don't know who he is, he's somebody who started out on Vine, who became a YouTuber. He's got like 16 million subscribers. 16.8 million subscribers. So Almost as many as us. He's one of the biggest people on that channel. Just shy of us. Probably the biggest. Just shy of us. Just shy of us. Thank you. Uh, and basically, he filmed a video of... Um, a, he went to somewhere called... that's nicknamed The Suicide Forest. And then filmed a dead body. And joked about it and laughed. Got a lot of backlash for it. Um, then he took a few weeks away, came back, and then was filmed tasering a dead rat. Was it yeah. something like that? As you could tell, not the smartest kid. And at that point, school. YouTube halted his ad revenue, saying there's been a recent pattern of behaviour. It's like, yeah, that recent pattern of behaviour stretches back till his Vine days, where he was still an absolute cockend. Mm-hmm. It's just he wasn't filming any dead bodies at that point. But it was only a matter of time. You had the power to stop him. <laughs> you didn't do enough, YouTube. You didn't do enough. Um, but yeah, so he was in this Valley Girl remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it has basically been dropped by MGM entirely because they've realised that this is now poison. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like there was a... Um, oh, there was another YouTuber. I can't remember who it was recently. Or oh, I can't even remember the film. Basically, he was found on his Twitter, from what I understand, in the past, him using derogatory terms mm. towards black people. And he's basically just been completely removed from a film and he just chopped him out and done all the monies in the world with him mm. and cast somebody new. Okay. So, as far as I'm aware, Logan Paul isn't that big a role in this film. Either. He's not the lead. No, he's a, he's a side character, apparently. So if it is because of him, surely they can just get yeah. rid Cast Stone Cold Steve You would have thought so. Uh, But you never know. Uh, They'll probably just end up chucking it to DVD, I think. Yeah. No cinematic release. The thing is, they would still put it out because if he has 16 million fans and people want to watch films with Logan Paul, they can still make a lot of money off Mm -hmm. that. Um, If he just puts out, oh, I've made this film, and they'll go, oh yeah, let's watch it. Yeah. But... Is that basic he still has 16 million subscribers? Well... If only we were that unpopular. Maybe we need to film a dead body. 25 million subscribers, mate. Didn't tell you about that. <laughs> Launched a channel last week. Uh, and the final bit of news I have this week. Okay. I don't know if you have any. No? Cool. I could tell you about Brett the Hitman Hart. <clears throat> no. No. A thousand times no. Uh, Kristen Wiig is in negotiations oh, yeah. for Black Panther 2. No. No, sorry. Wonder Woman 2. <laughs> yep. Yes? Yep. Wonder Woman 2, there we are, um, to play Cheetah. Cheetah. Uh, after Emma Stone refused to take the role. 
what do a, you think? It's a it's a weird one because I like she tells like the big villain for Wonder Woman, right? Like it's kind of a common adversary sort of thing. Yeah, you know the one that just keeps coming around. You know, like the Luther to Superman mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So it's it's a big role, like and it's an important one to get right. But the thing is, they got it so right the first time that I'm kind of as long as they let them do what they want to do. Yeah. I'm kind of happy for them to do what... And the thing is, I'm actually just really interested to see how this works with Kristen Wick mm-hmm. Because I don't picture her in that sort of role. I don't know anything about the character. Uh, I think she's a very good dramatic actress as well. Uh, I would be interested to see her in something like that, I suppose. Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't see her in a a superhero role or a villain role. Mm. Um, so it depends how they play that character off. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like... You said, I don't really know much about the character. I just know that she's important to the history of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, you know, she's been used a lot in the past. Um, the only real kind of hands-on I've had with her is when I've played the Injustice game. Right. And she's one of the playable characters in that. But that's really the only time I've ever played it. So I'm interested to see... Because I like Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. I think she's really good. Um so yeah, I'm interested. I just don't picture it at the moment. Yeah, I think it's because she's quite quite wiry. Yes, as well. But obviously, this was the thing that people said about Gal Gadot. But when you look at Gal Gadot mm. or Gal Gadot, however you wish to say it, um, she looks powerful anyway. Yeah, like she's got a certain power about her, even though she's not, you know, built like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, um, she still looks powerful, and I suppose that's that's the important thing, is it? It's the way it's filmed. You make it look as good as you. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that she'll do it in the end. Uh, she mm. uh, she's just been in early talks apparently, so she may well end up not doing it. We may well end up with you know Millie Bobby Brown being cheetah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> using mind control powers to defeat Wonder Woman. Um, so yeah, that's that's the big superhero casting news of this week is mm-hmm. that that might happen, and also that Joaquin Phoenix may or may not still be doing the Joker, and who knows anymore. Um, though they also had the Shazam costume leaked. leaked. I think we did mention this last week, uh, but it looks fine. Yeah, we might have mentioned it last it week. It looks fine. That's all I can say about it. It doesn't. Naff, but I don't know. All, all costumes look a bit naff without... naff without being on the screen. Mm. Like, they did the um, Captain Marvel costume yeah. a few weeks ago, and that looks naff because mm. it's not. But it's the enhanced. 90s, so it's supposed to be naff. It's going to be all MC Hammer. That's what her costume is going to be in in Captain Marvel. <laughs> parachute Captain Marvel pants logo. Yeah, parachute pants. Yeah, absolutely. She's got one of the vanilla ice haircuts. Yeah, and a backwards cap, and she's going to say <laughs> radical a lot. The t-shirt says just say no. Yeah, well, she's got um, one of the global hypercolor t-shirts that changes color to depending oh, on how sweaty man. you are. Yes. That's every t-shirt I own. Either that, or they're going to have a 90s tie-dye t-shirt <laughs> with the rubber band still attached. So, yeah. Uh, naff, but could be good on screen. Who knows? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I think it's hard to judge. The costume's costume. not bad either. Ah, I was talking about the DCEU the whole time. <laughs> naff, but could be good on screen. Brackets. It's not... Okay, should we move on oh, to reviews? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, well, don't do you, sound so upset. Do you want about me to make it? some more Oscar predictions? Okay, fine. Make one more Oscar okay, prediction name now. A ca- name a category. Best uh, costume design. Oh, shit. 
Victorian Abdul. Do you know if that's... Is that it's nominated? nominated. Okay, um, it won't be. It'll be Phantom Fred because yeah. it's a film about fashion, so you'd expect them to have a... Well, it's a film about much more than that. Is it, though? Let's, let's not. Let's is not, it? Let's not get into this now, but the, the, one, thought, the one thing it's basically not about is fashion. I thought it was two hours of Daniel Day-Lewis doing a cover of I'm Too Sexy. Oh, right. Okay, it has yeah, the, yeah. It has the line, I do a sexy walk on the catwalk. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's right. just him like, on the catwalk. Okay. <laughs> the catwalk, yeah. Um, that's not quite... For two hours. Yeah, that's not quite what the... Yeah, okay. Just him walking through no, different it's places. It's fine. All right, I'm just going to... Are you done? One more? Do you want one more nomination? Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Fine. Uh, best... You're, you're just trying to think of the ones, but I don't know. Best original them. screenplay. Ooh, ooh, I... Like... Do you want me to find out what is nominated? No, because Get Out is, and I I wanted to be Get Out. Yes. Um, I can't remember what else is, but basically, I think they, I think Get Out might actually get it as well. Yeah. Because I think the Academy would want to. It sounds bad, but they want to look as though they are rewarding that sort of film. Yeah. And that takes nothing away from Get Out because I think it's a fantastic film. Hmm. Um. But I think that one might be a. We're not, it's not going to win director, um, picture, or actor. No. I think they'll give it something, and it'll probably be that. Okay. I can't remember what else is nominated in it, but... Yeah, you're probably right. I think it will. No, it won't get Well, I, I would like it to. I would like Get Out no, to win. No, I'd love it to, because I'd love Jordan Peele to get something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to do reviews? Yeah, let's do reviews, yeah. shall we? Sorry, yeah. we got sidetracked there. Uh, so let's start off with the one we've both seen. Okay. I, Tanya. Yeah, I was waiting Okay, it, it looked like you were confused as to what that might be. I was like, you didn't see Ladybird. I know that. Okay, so I... Okay, so I, Tanya. I'm just waiting for you to be done. You look like you're getting more and more annoyed as time goes on. No, no, I don't get annoyed anymore. <laughs> I, I learned that. I learned that that's just actually just a waste of time. Uh, so I, <laughs> I Tonya, the film that basically sort of chronicles in a in a non traditional sense yeah. um, the the events of uh, Tonya Harding's sort of rise and downfall. Um, in very very loose terms, I think mm. uh, you could. I think everyone would agree. Um, uh, told from the perspective of a couple of different people within the story, based on two actual interviews that were done by the filmmakers uh, with Tonya Harding and her ex husband Jeff Galuli. Um, Andy, what did you think of the film? I really enjoyed it. Actually, I thought it was it was great. That basically. Um, what I really liked was it was a story told where at times I knew that it was a true story, but at times I was like, I don't actually know if this, what you're telling me right now is true or not. Yes. But that was intentional in the way that it was done because of the fact that it would just do points to camera where it's like, oh, this didn't happen. Or yeah. while the other person's kind of telling what the story is and it's like, oh, this bit definitely didn't happen or this bit did happen. And you're like, I don't know which bits are true or not, but actually it makes it more of a complete story. Yeah. Um, now I only knew, I knew of this incident. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was her break. It was uh, the the attack on her rival Nancy Carrigan. Nancy Carrigan, who was a part of the um, U.S. Olympic yeah. team. So I knew about that. Yeah, but I never knew any of the story around it. I never really knew. Like, I couldn't have even told you 
names or anything beforehand. Right. So it was really nice for me to kind of get a history lesson, really. Mm. I think Margot Robbie's fantastic. Yeah. And um, well, I think all of the leads basically are fantastic. Yeah, I think they're all really There's good. Got her, Sebastian Stan, and um, Alison Janney. Yeah. Um, all brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Alison Janney is the odds-on favourite for the Best Supporting Actress um, award tonight. Um, Margot Robbie is very much an outlier on the... Um, I don't think she's got a chance in hell of uh, getting Best Actress, no. but it is a really good performance and it's really committed. Um, and Sebastian Stan is someone who I think is a is an omission from the Best Supporting Actor, because I think he puts in a really good performance in this. Uh, it's a very, you know, it's an interesting film in that it's sort of dealing with a lot of different stuff in there um, because alongside the actual events, uh, you've got a history of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You've got a history, and even stretching back to her and her mother rather than yeah. her and her husband. Um, and it's all about sort of what it is to be given. Uh, you know, she she talks about how, you know, her mum said, you know, I gave you a gift and then she says, well, you cursed me. So yeah, it's yeah. it's all about the, the sort of sacrifices you make in order to become the best and what it requires to be the best and especially in a sport where you don't fit the mould. And the thing is, she started from such a young age as well. Yeah, that this is all she ever knew. <clears throat> and, you know, there's some, there's some really, really nice moments in this film that I think are really well performed. I think sometimes it loses itself a little bit. Yeah. You know I mean, um, like, I don't think it's the tightest film I've seen this year. No. Um, I think sometimes it gets kind of lost in its own kind of, because it, it, like the soundtrack I really liked, like I like the use of music, but sometimes mm-hmm. I think that it was kind of like a, a, a distraction. Yeah. More than anything. And like, to kind of stylize the film. Um, and I get why they were doing it, but I think it sometimes then kind of got lost in the shuffle of what you're actually trying to do here. Yeah. Um, but that, still doesn't make it a bad film. Like, it's still stronger than most of the films I've seen this year. Um, yeah. And, like I said, those those three central performances are what really make it. Yeah, I think if if they didn't work, then the film like, wouldn't really hold together. But they do. And... I found myself getting annoyed by um, the best friend of Sebastian Stan's character. Yeah. Like, I found him just annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand why he was there and obviously what his purpose was in the whole grand scheme of things. But I actually just found him annoying. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Bobby Cannavale plays a character that I, at times just went, I'm not even sure why he's here. Yeah, it's it's almost to give you the outsider's perspective it's on not, it all. It's not utilised enough to... No, exactly. Make, if you're going to have that, which is an interesting perspective, because he was basically... He plays the um, one of the news reporters mm. from the time. And I think if you're going to have that there, then utilise it more, because that's actually fairly interesting. I think the problem is, it's one of those films where I go... I'd love to see a documentary on this. Yeah. Like, I'd like to know. And there are many. I imagine they are. But I'm there like... I mean, I have this certain thing with certain films where sometimes you can give me a film version of something and I'm like, actually, that's the best way for me to know about this. So, say, for example, Spotlight. Yeah. I think the best way for me to know and learn about that situation was through that film. Mm. Um, and then afterwards, you can go and look into stuff if you want. But that film was good enough to give me a start-to-end idea of what's happening. Yeah. Films like this make me go, because there are those blurred lines and because I don't really think anyone really will know mm. the entire truth, it kind of makes me go, actually, I'd like you just to be able to tell me from A to B what happened. Yeah, and it makes no bones about it. And it says, you know, this is not the truth. It's just a truth. Yeah. Their truth. So 
it's 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 an interesting way of doing it. I think um, I think the fact of the matter is that because it doesn't ever claim to be factual mm. from start to finish. That's probably the most important thing about it because yeah. if, if it was, then I think it would have it would have had to play a lot safer and mm-hmm. a lot drier. Uh, whereas I think there's a lot in here to enjoy. And I think you're only going to get that from having those perspectives of these two wildly contradictory testimonies, basically. Absolutely. And the fact that they play off against each other because nothing they say really matches up. Mm -hmm. Occasional dates seem to match up. But other than that, entire conversations and entire events are seen in two different ways. Um, But I think, you know, it is a terrific performance from, certainly from Margot Robbie and I think uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, Alison Jenny are also very good. The scene of her in the mirror is really powerful. Yeah. Like, really powerful. Um, And obviously, if you've seen the film, and I think it's been in a lot, been like, shown in like, clips and stuff that they've released, like, you'll see it and it's it's a really great scene and I think Mm. it just shows how well she's done. Um, And it's quite great though when you look at Margot Robbie and her career Mm. She keeps getting these kind of roles. And often, like... Well, this this project was produced by her. Um, so, again, I think it's a case of her finding a story that she really connected with and wanted to do justice to. And there, you know, it was a fairly long battle to try and get the film mm-hmm. made in the way they wanted to make it. And they got there in the end. But, you know, she came on board as a producer initially and then also as a star. So... It all worked out quite well for her in that regard, and I think she's she's showing that she's able to pick the right projects for herself. And it's the thing I think sometimes it can be forgotten with Margot Robbie, especially because she does certain projects as well that mm. can be seen as like popcorn. Yes, uh, people forget that actually she, there is a good performer there as well. Yeah, and I'm glad that you know films like this really do show that. Um, and you know she's still very young. Yeah, as well, absolutely. So there's still a whole long way to go. So it's it's. It's a bit like when Emma Stone first started out. Mm. And you know how you look at Emma Stone now and you look at her as this huge actress. Yeah, um, it's almost... This kind of monolithic actress mm. of her age. But then you look at when she first started, but you could already see those performances starting to come through. I genuinely mm. feel that that's similar to the way I see Margot Robbie currently. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think she's a great performer. Yeah. Um, and this film only highlights that. Yeah, she's got... Um... Mary Queen of Scots coming out later in the year um, with her playing Queen Elizabeth I and uh, Saoirse Ronan, who we'll come on to in just a second, is playing Mary Queen of Scots. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. But then, of course, after that, she's got Suicide Squad too. So there's the paradox of sort of the two ends of the, the spectrum. Is, you can't take away the fact that she played a good Harley Quinn mm. in Suicide Squad. Like... I don't agree with the way it was directed. I think the performance was good. I think the writing was at times terrible and the direction direction was pretty much always awful. Yeah. It was garish and... But she was the only one who felt committed to the role. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Gerald Lito felt committed to the role. Mm, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that a bit. Let's never talk about that. Uh, but yeah, again. no, it's, it's an absolute recommend for me. I think there are, there are problems and I think there's a reason why it didn't quite fit into the... Best picture Best talk. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it comes close to some of the films in there. Mm. Um, but while I still have problems, I still think it's a, it's a very f- enjoyable film. Yeah, um, and it, it did help me fill in some blanks about what that story is. So yeah, absolutely recommend for me. Yeah, me too. All right, we'll move on. Uh, final review of this year. This uh, wait, this Oscar, this Oscar year. What? <laughs> Fucking hell! This uh, this uh, week rather. This episode. Yes. 
Uh, Lady Bird, uh, Greta Gerwig's solo directorial debut. No spoilers. Uh, I won't spoil anything. There's not a huge amount to spoil yeah. here. Um, in that it is a very independently minded sort of. A lot of people have called it sort of mumblecore esque. I think it's a little bit more than that. Uh, and mumblecore is something that I don't necessarily always agree with. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so set in 2002, 2003, the crossover between those two years. So absolutely, I'm there in the timeline because yeah. what a year to be alive that was. <laughs> with the killers just around the corner. Oh my goodness. Uh, so. The story follows uh, Christine Ladybird McPherson, who is growing up in Sacramento, California, uh, and basically wants to move to New York, where the culture is, mm. or any of those sort of eastern states. Uh, talks about living in the woods like any of the writers did, and blah, blah, blah. So she's someone who is disillusioned with her life, uh, feels, you know, she's 17 years old when, when we start the film, and saying, oh, you know, I feel like my life's really hard and really difficult and, you know, sort of at times it just comes across as a whining teenager, as most teenagers are at some point in yeah. their teenage years. Complains, I, I still am at complains, complains about the stupidest things in their life that they don't really need to complain about. And has, you know... Still sounds like you're talking about me. Has huge <laughs> problems on a uh, personal scale, but... Uh, believes them to be globally important almost. Um, but then also has that juxtaposition of, you know, telling when, whenever her mum talks to her about how hard the family's got it, she's there going, do you know how many, uh, oh no, she's got, that's it. Sorry. There's, there's a conversation between her and Timothy Chalamet in the film where, uh, he then, she starts talking about a problem, a, a sad problem and, he then says, do you know how many people have died since we've started invading Iraq? And she's just like, war isn't the only thing that can be sad. <laughs> Which is very funny. And, you know, it reminds you of so many different teenagers yeah. you either know or have known in your life. Um, so the story basically follows her trying to escape Sacramento and her sort of trying to fit in mm. as best she can because she does feel like an outsider and she feels like she doesn't belong. Um, and she feels like her family aren't doing right by her or yeah. that they're not doing enough to enable her to follow her dreams. The central uh, real relationship here is between um, between Christine and her mother, who's played by Laurie Metcalf, who's also nominated for the award and, in my view, probably should win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it's a very difficult category this year. It's the best supporting, yeah. Yeah, Um but it's a really great performance and it's a really great dynamic the two of them have. Uh, you truly believe that this is a mother and daughter. You don't ever feel like it's... It doesn't feel forced or mm-hmm. false at any point. It feels very natural and organic. Um, it's a performance that basically reminds you of all the things that you love about your own family. And all the things that you might not love so much as well, because it, it's got it doesn't ever paint someone to be wholly does it, good. Does but it, it remind you of why you love your family despite the things that you don't like about them? Yeah, uh, so, sometimes yes, but it also reminds like you know it's the kind of film where you just want to come out of it and phone your mum and tell her that you love her, like Coco. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it's I think it's terrific, and I think it is a really it's really smartly written. It's very very funny. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a film that shows real promise from Greta Gerwig. Mm. Um, it's the first time she's directed solo. 
Um, and she's spoken about wanting to make three more films sort of set in Sacramento. And this film is basically a love letter to, to Sacramento, despite the fact yeah. that it's all about someone trying to escape. There are moments of realisation where you have the appreciation for that small town and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that as trapped as she may feel there, it's her home after all. Yeah. Um, there's some really fantastic supporting performances. So Timothy Chalamet turns up in the film. Uh, Lucas Hedges also turns okay. up, uh, who we've most recently seen in Three Billboards, um, but was also fantastic in um, Manchester, by the Manchester by the Sea last year and was nominated for an Oscar last year for that performance. Yes. Um, Lois Smith playing uh, one of the um, one of the teachers at the Catholic school where she attends. Really, really terrific performances pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, those central two performances drive this film. And if it wasn't for those two working as well as they do as a partnership, you know, those scenes are really interesting to watch and emotionally charged and very, uh, very engaging and real. And that's yeah. ultimately the biggest thing, you know. Uh, it, it, so often when you're watching something that's sort of this way geared I get really tired of it and I get a little yeah, bit yeah. you know it it can sometimes feel very forced or put on or sometimes just too quirky for its own good this avoids all of that mm-hmm. and it manages to play it pretty straight but you know there's enough comedy in there but it's believable sort of teenage language comedy and it's sort yeah, of yeah there, there is enough in here to make me think this is head and shoulders a much better film than anything of this sort of genre that you might have been thinking what about, of. Does, where does it fall in line with um, Edge of Seventeen? Because wasn't that coming of age mm. for me as well? Edge of Seventeen, I you were yeah, I mean, Edge of Seventeen is a very similar, you know, it, it has a very similar sort of setup in the sense that it's a 17-year-old sort of girl who's disenchanted with her family. Um, I think it plays more for comedy in that okay. than this does. This is more dramatic... Uh, Although that's not to say that there aren't dramatic moments in Edge of Seventeen because there are some very good ones, and yeah. particularly with Woody Allen's character, uh, Woody Allen, Woody, Woody Harrelson. Harrelson, good mm-hmm. lord, Woody Harrelson's character um, in Edge of Seventeen um, it has really really nice moments. And if you haven't seen it, do go and see it because it I've is good. Seen it. How do I know you? I almost did once. Um, I, mean, I didn't. So yeah, I, I think it's sort of. On a level with that in terms of quality for me, but they're playing it two very different ways, I think. Um, I can understand exactly why this is being mentioned in sort of the the shout for best picture. They're thinking it might be one of those that kind of undercuts everything else. Yeah, because because no one hates it. Yeah, yeah, basically because everyone puts it in ranking order, don't they? Mm. It it looks like... I I think it will probably... It would get close, but I don't think it will get it. I think it will be three billboards, but I think... I think Shape of Water is going to get it. Ooh, yeah. I See, do. I think he's going to win Best Director, but I'm not sure they'll, that he'll win Best Picture for it. But then again, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, there's nothing to hate about that film. No. But then again, people find things to hate about it. Like, hey, apparently it's all stolen from someone else. <laughs> you know? Do you know the one thing? Like talking about Ladybird, do you know the one thing that's made me realise? Mm. The one reason I miss Fowler on this podcast is because he never, we no longer hear the name Saucy Ronan. Saucy Ronan. Um, Saoirse Ronan is fantastic in this, by the way. Um, she's really good. Uh, deserves her nomination. Yeah. But she won't win. She won't. No, because Francis McDormand and 
um, Sally Hawkins are both in that. Yeah, and, and it's phenomenal. It's such a. And I think it's a two horse race between the two. Yeah, and I think this year, this year particularly, the performances, mm. the performance categories are all pretty hotly yeah. contested. And there are there are a couple of categories where you feel where you feel like there's a lock between maybe two people, mm-hmm. and I think supporting act is the one where maybe it's a bit more open. It's really Sam open. Rockwell's the favourite, but I think there's I an think outlying I, I chance for a couple that, of them. Anyone in that category can get it. Um, do you recommend them? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Go and like... see Lady Bird if you can. It will be. It's, a, it's more limited than uh, yeah. Itonia was. Itonia got a bigger release, but if you can find it, it's worth searching out. It's still in cinemas for the next week or so, I think. Um, basically, because I've just got a question for you, because I know you saw it this morning. So I was just, and I've not actually voted. Oh, what yeah. did you think of Call Me by Your Name? Yeah, so I saw Call Me by Your Name today. Um, it's it's very good. I don't think it's up there. Mm-mm. For me, I think it's it's very well shot and it's very well directed and it's very well acted. And I think Army Hammer is missing from that supporting actor. Yes, he is. And I think probably if you're going to lose one, you're going to lose Christopher Plummer. Although Christopher Plummer is a very good performance. But we, we do have a feeling that we know why he might be nominated. Yeah. Uh, and may well win it just because <laughs> he's not Kevin Spacey. Um <laughs> But I think um, Army Hammer is really fantastic in it. Timothy Chalamet is very, very good in it mm-hmm. as well. Um, but for me, it, it feels it's it's good. But I don't think it's quite as masterful as some people have suggested it what is. What did you think to the scene near the end? The oh yeah, the yeah. End. The scene between um, between Timothy Chalamet and um, Michael Stolberg is very, very good. Uh, and I can understand why you enjoyed it. Yes, it's genuinely beautiful. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Uh, and I think again, Michael Stolberg, someone who, because he's been so good in so many things this year, has missed out on the yeah. nomination because everyone's just gone. Well, he was good in this, yeah, but also this and this. Well, what are you going to nominate him for? Oh, okay, well, we'll nominate him and for then, this, and then someone else nominates yeah, him for something else. Yeah, unless you gang together and go, okay. Yeah, unless you do like a round robin email and say we're all going to nominate him for Shape of Water or for uh, Call Me by it's Your like Name. Be Daniel Day Lewis only do one film every four years. Exactly. Get nominated. Yeah, yeah you get nominated for all the four years in between as well. Uh, <laughs> So um no it is very good um it's I think it's a I think it's a really beautiful sort of love story yeah. but I think it was lacking something for me and I couldn't quite put my finger on it um but no I I think and Timothy Chalamet is someone who clearly has a big future ahead of yeah. him yes like the the end credits of that film is yeah really kind of it was weird because it's not the way I expected the film to end yeah but really works like I, I really I really enjoyed it mm. I did I watched Florida Project then oh yeah you did you finally caught up with that yeah um, I agree William Defoe is fantastic in it mm. I don't I think I, he's but, he's the outlier now for best supporting but I had a weird thing that, I had pretty much the same that you had recorded by your name where obviously we said we gave best film in last year to mm. Florida Project um, which is a film that me and Paul hadn't seen you kind of won us around, and I messaged you during it saying I completely understand why you love this mm. film. Like it's completely your film. Yeah. And if I'd seen that film before you, I would go, "Hey, Hudo, here's a present. Yeah, the best film for you." But for me, it's just a bit meandering. It's a bit lost mm. in what I'm trying to get from it. Like it didn't seem to go anywhere. Mm. And I appreciate that the performances are going. You know, like you said, there's child act- actors in there who are doing a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, Brooklyn Prince is great in it. I think. Um, and they're doing a fantastic job. But I'm there like, I don't, I get no kind of... You need of, more from a film. I, I don't get any drive from it. And that's mm. the thing. There has to be something driving it. And I think William Defoe is phenomenal. Mm. Like, he genuinely is. And I, 
this thing, that whole best supporting actor, I can go, I can give reasons for every single one. He's, uh, of the supporting, he's, him. he's my favourite. Well, I would not begrudge him having it. Mm. Um, but I think his performance is by far the shining light in a film that I, it didn't really do all that much for me, mm. but I can understand why somebody like yourself would absolutely adore it. Let me just ask you about one scene in particular, yeah. the vending machine scene. Oh, like that it, is a great it came, it's because it came from nowhere for me yeah. because there's because I felt that the film wasn't really going anywhere before that when that scene happened um if it, if we're talking about the same scene yeah. I think we are when that scene happened I was like this is the kind of stuff I want this is what I mm. want something more impactful yeah. that really kind of gets me going um and that's what I think the problem was there were there were those moments mm. in there that really worked but a lot of it between that the combining parts and I like I said I understand why you love it. Mm. <laughs> like, I completely understand it. I can see why. It's a bit like me, me and Moonlight last year. Yeah. Where I understand why people really enjoy that film. But it didn't, didn't connect with you. Me. Yeah. Uh, although Moonlight is, I keep saying this, one that I am going to go back and watch and see if I can maybe try and connect with that more. Mm. But this one I kind of went, yes, I get it. I get why it's good. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, you know, I won't begrudge it being the best film of the year because I understand mm. why why it was there and why we went that way. Still should have been Blade Runner. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Okay. William cool. Defoe is great. Yeah. Like, really, really good. Well, anyway, uh, that's all we've got time for this week. So, yes. as always, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. On Twitter, we're at DinosaurMan15. On Facebook, we're DinosaurMan Nerdcast. Everywhere else, we're also the DinosaurMan Nerdcast. Andy, who did the theme song? Johnny Neves. Johnny Neves did it. This week, it was... I forgot what we talked about. Oh, it was... um, It started with Breaking Glass. (laughs) Yes, that was it, yes. Breaking Glass and then do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, okay, good stuff. Anyway, uh, as always, thank you to Andy for hosting. Oh, you can find us on Facebook, Stitcher, Buzzsprout and iTunes, by the way, where you can also rate, comment, subscribe, review, and give us a nice little friendly like. Been a pleasure being here. You can catch our live stream on Twitch. No, you can catch our live tweeting on Twitter. We will. We will live tweet the Oscars. They may be so. Presumably, if you listen to this in the next three or four hours before we start live tweeting, (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm gonna start right now. Yeah, um, before it's even uploaded. You're gonna. You're gonna hypothesize who might be wearing what. Ooh, ooh. We we may do that again this year. Where we probably watch, not. I watch mean, the probably not. We've lost Vicky, and she was the real driving force <laughs> behind that bit. Uh, as always, Andy, thank you for hosting. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being here, Alex. It's always my pleasure. And until next time, don't go to the Oscars. Stay in with us. We're going to have a party. And also, fuck you, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, fuck you, Kevin Spacey. Christopher Plummer's not you, and that's all that's needed. Die. Die. Die.